Okay. You're right. far away. Ah, there we go. Ah, that's it. Yeah, there we go. Now, now we see Rabbi a little, a little better. Thank you. Um, maybe I could even highlight Rabbi. Uh, no, I'm not able to do that. Okay. Um, so let's uh, let's let's begin. Rebbe, a number of uh, of the Talmidim have uh, have submitted questions. I think uh, Rebbe saw a lot of the questions that were submitted. Some other questions just came in uh, more recently. Um, so I, 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 you know, Rebbe obviously can uh, you know can can decide not to answer any questions, but. Um, I feel like I should ask the difficult ones anyway. Um, and if Rebbe doesn't want to answer the, uh, the, the, the difficult questions, obviously it's, uh, it's up to Rebbe. Um, wh- one of the questions that a lot of people have been struggling with, and it comes up from time to time, it's not only a current events kind of uh, question, is that every once in a while you have a person who is respected and everyone views as someone who produces a lot for our community, whether it be in Torah or whether it be in Hashkafa and in Midos, and or writes books or uh, has uh, you know tapes or shiurim or other things, and then there are accusations made against against the person. Um, at what point, to, to what extent, does the Torah view a person as innocent until proven guilty? And and to what extent do we say, well, until there's there's absolute proof that someone has done something wrong, then we shouldn't pass any judgment, and we should continue to learn their Torah. We should continue to read all of all of their books. Okay, that's a great non-current question, I believe. <laughs> Thank you for asking this a general question, which has been around since Mamad Harsinai. When Moshe Rabbeinu was accused of adultery. Yes, Moshe Rabbeinu. So, there is no hard and fast rule, but when accusations are leveled in recent times, one of the major criteria by which we judge, and we must judge, is are these solo operators launching terrible stories about individuals without any corroboration whatsoever? Or is a unfortunate series of accusers come forward? Many, many. In the former case, we absolutely must give the benefit of the doubt to the accused. I'm happy to report, for those who are not following current events, that just yesterday, just yesterday, an individual had been accused wrongfully of some kind of event from years and years ago was thankfully restored to his rightful place in the classroom in an institution not far from Rabbi Leibowitz's residence. Believe it in that. And that's a, a wonderful, wonderful event in our times. Because otherwise, each and every Rebbe in every school and every place in the world to be destroyed by a single individual who fabricates and publicizes completely unfounded accusations. Yes, it came at a cost. This individual was 
nothing happens, not, nothing is identical for an individual who I'll say lives that far. You still hear me? Yes, yes. Lives that far from Rabbi Leibowitz, was accused of something also ridiculous, and had to step down from his position, a very significant administrative position. And the fear was that he'll never be able to get back into his seat. Thankfully, they did the same thing. They hired lawyers, they listened to responsible local Rabbanim in that particular community, another very major community, which uh, competes in some ways with Rabbi Leibowitz's community. Uh, some of the rabbis to be referred to come from that community, and at least one of them was involved in this particular situation. And thank God, he too was restored to his place, his rightful place. It was exposed to a completely fallacious, fabricated dream of some malevolent individual. Those cases and similar cases, from the very beginning, I must tell you, I was convinced that the charges were totally fraudulent, but you have to go through the motions, especially in today's world. You have to hire lawyers, go through a very thorough investigation. See, your proof is totally unsubstantiated. Contrast that with the accusations which are repeated multiple, multiple times. When this happens, while one can never be sure 100% and one should, to some extent, suspend judgment until there's some kind of finality, if that can ever be achieved. Once there are multiple accusers who are unrelated to each other, there can be cases where there are multiple accusers who banded together to try to hurt somebody. That's a case which happened in a different community where I came from. Again, I'm speaking in general terms. Where I grew up. Where Rabbi Leibowitz taught there recently, without going any more specific than that. Where a bunch of girls ganged up on, a, on an administrator they didn't like and they spread all kinds of false things about it. Thankfully, the person in charge would not give in and he was restored to his place. He would honor the next year at the school's dinner. But there, you can, you can suspect collusion. That's exactly what happened. But I'm afraid that some of the more recent cases, current, current, which I believe Ari Leibowitz is referring, or similar cases which transpired some years ago, also involving very, very charismatic individuals, super talented, super, super talented people who their charisma wowed the multitudes in all different types of, of, of the new technologies, whether it be through books or presentations or live and on Zoom or whatever else existed that many years back. And unfortunately, unfortunately, people who are blessed with tremendous charisma, and there are certain people like that, sometimes, it's a rarity, thank God, in our community, sometimes abuse the gift which God gave them. Abuse the gift which God gave them take advantage of innocent people, whether they be men, whether they be women, whether they be young, whether they be old, you name it, it's happened. And unfortunately, in these circumstances, it's critical 
to protect the community. And if protecting the community means setting aside the otherwise wonderful contributions that these individuals, thanks to that very charisma, were able to make to our community, that's the price that must be paid. The safety of the community comes first. Any Torah, as Chazal put it, that does not have your also akodemis, does not have the fear of heaven which precedes it, not going to be misguided. Often we don't really know. We can't look into a person's heart with x-rays. Or these, these, how should I say it, tragic cases of fallen heroes. There's no alternative but to protect the community. It's happened in the, in the past. Unfortunately, it's in all the current events right, right now. And as the Rambam has told us, There'll never be a community in the Jewish world without these events happening. So it shouldn't shock us completely. The rabbi predicted it. Sadly, no one should have perfect faith in any human being. We heard Rabbi Lee would speak so, so beautifully, beautifully, about the importance of having a Rebbe. But you know, sometimes a Rebbe is not as Chazal said it, you read it in Haftorah, less than two weeks ago. Sif Seikohen, Yishmu Daz, Haftorah, and Baksha, Bibiu, Kimala, Hashem, Svokosu. In Doma, Arab, Lamalach, Hashem, Svokosu, Baksha, Torah, Bibiu. Individuals who unfortunately are being accused by multiple accusers. Whatever the level of their wrongdoing is. And it's another important thing. Not all wrongdoing is the same. I repeat, I don't know the details here. I, I don't know. We don't know what's exaggerated. Not all wrongdoing is the same. But if there's so many accusers, you have to at least believe, if they, didn't, they don't know each other, that the rabbi is not that much we, I think we have to assume already now. So therefore, I believe that it's not appropriate to learn from the otherwise wonderful contributions of such individuals in our community. Okay, thank you so much, Rabbi. Um, a, uh, some, a lot of guys uh, at the age of uh, Shana Aleph, Shana Bet, are uh, first trying uh, to really connect to tefillah in a serious way. And many of them find it uh, find it challenging. So one of the boys asked if there's any etza that the Rebbe has to uh, to keep a person focused on tefillah from beginning to end, to have the zitzfleisch, to sit through davening, and not just sit through, but to be inspired by the davening and to connect to davening in a more serious way. What a wonderful opportunity that all these tamidim have this year in Eretz Yisrael, in the yeshiva. There's no davening like yeshiva davening. I'm a rabbi in a shul. I can't daven in the yeshiva anymore. We have a very wonderful shul. It really is a very wonderful shul. But it's not a yeshiva. A yeshiva is a unique place where davening is taken seriously. Seriously. And I ask every Talmud 
take advantage of this opportunity to become connected to Tefillah. That we love all Jews, we love all shuls. But the unfortunate reality is that not every shul has inspirational Tefillah. I'm explaining a sad fact. Not all shuls. There are many shuls where people come in and go out. Sometimes there's even talking in shul, which the rabbis from the time of uh, centuries ago have complained about. But even if they're not talking in shul, they're not always focused on the davening. You go to a yeshiva, you hear them, they're crying out in a loud voice, in a loud voice. And when I, I also learned in Eretz Yisrael. I learned in Karen Biyavna. I think there's somebody on the screen, I think are in Karen Biyavna. Think about Lee was also learned in Karen Biyavna. Not mistaken. So he had uh, so much shared experience. I still remember, I, I didn't have this before. I mean, I dabbed in very nice shoes, and I thought very nice shoes. I came to the Shiva and they screamed out, Shema Yisrael! Like, whoa! We had that like twi- twice a year, three times a year. Yom Kippur. Ma'arim, Shach, or Sadila. He screamed out, Shema Yisrael. That was it. Yeah, every single day, twice a day, they screamed out, Shema Yisrael. With such a, a kavana, with such a bread. It was so inspiring. This is what the happening is about. Truth is, I mean, I, I would not be candid with you if I didn't tell you that dying with Kavana is a challenge for everybody. But don't feel bad. It's very important you don't get down on yourself. All these Tamil that we ask this question, here I am, I'm in the Holy Land, and I I, I, I get distracted in the middle of my dominating. What's wrong with me? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bad. One of the Amoraim and the Yerushalmi expressed himself as follows. I'm thankful to my head. Why? Because in Shmona Esrei, when I get up to Modim, my head goes down. What he was saying was, his mind was wandering. Got up to Modim, it's not my instinct, you know, it's a reflex, the head went down. If one of the Amoroyim, Kedoshe Elyon, Malachim, Rishonich Malachim, could say, when he got to Modim, he wasn't really uh, focused. So who are we? We are Ketanik, 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 At the Shea store that I heard, I just heard the story last week. Last week I heard the story for the first time. An individual said that Rav Shech Shlita, when he was served as a rabbi in Paramus, for a period of time, way back when, many years ago, would come to a particular family to spend Shabbos with his, with his own family. And this individual said that his son, was a young boy, said, Abba, Daddy, does Rabbi Shechta know Hebrew? Crazy question, does Rabbi Shechta know Hebrew? Why do you ask? You know, we come to the meal, and the meal is over, and we say, Birch HaSavazen, he says it so slowly. Look, he doesn't know Hebrew. He says it so slowly. He doesn't know Hebrew. You ever heard of a chef to bench that I've been privileged to many, many times? The kid was right. He says it so slowly, but not because he doesn't know Hebrew, because he's focused on every word. But not everyone is privileged to bench with Rabbi Shechter. 
but they're all privileged to be in the yeshiva where they daven more slowly. How long does it take to daven Shmon Esra? Now, we don't like to ask these personal questions. But you know, if you're in a shul, it takes very short to Shmon Esra. It's very quick. It's over. I'll tell you a great Marasha story. One year, this goes the way, way back when the Kola was still good neighbors with the uh, with the teenage boys program we called the Chol Mechina. So I used to sit in the base of sometimes when they'd come into that environment. I would just sit there for marriage. Once I was so distressed that they started saying Baruch Hashem Olam, which is at the end of Marev before Bishmas, right? And I think 20 seconds later, he started saying, I think it was more than 20 seconds. After it was over, I, I bound the table. Listen, guys, this guy was very fast. Anybody who could go for in my presence, go from Baruch Hashem to Kiamalfus in 22 seconds, I'll give out $10. Anybody, anyone, any one of you. I risked a lot of money on the table. There were many 50 guys there. No one took me up on it. It's impossible. My wife quips, they say, they say every other word. She comes to shul, and in my shul, which is not such a super fast shul, how do you say Aleinu so fast? How do you say Shukut Dezim and Shabbat so fast? My wife knows Hebrew, and she does. But she says every word. You know, it says in Shulchan Aruch, you're not supposed to swallow the words. You're supposed to say the words the way you count money. So we heard before about Abchayim Briska. They say Abchayim Briska happened very fast. They asked him, Rebbe, but it said he's supposed to say everyone the way you count money. So Abchayim responded, I count money very fast. He's a fast man, he does things fast. Most of us are not, are not so fast, and we should have it more slowly than we, than we are until now. How slow is slow? I don't really know. The Rebbe Dablitsky, the Kodesh of Rocha from B'nai Brak, one of the great great people of the generation. Wasn't that well known? I have this Sabiat. Sabiat is discussing who you wait for when you when, when for Hazar Sashats. You wait for the road, you wait for this, you wait for that. But that's only, that's only if the person says every word. If doesn't say every word, forget about it. I don't care if you're the only one, you have to wait for that person. And how long does it take to say every word of Shmon You can guess. You can put your fingers on your, on your hands. <laughs> See on, on the screens. It's from 1 to 10. I'll give it that. It's from 1 to 10. Pick up fingers. Nobody wants to say. He writes there, 9 minutes. In my show we get the Lachash and Chadras Hashem in 9 minutes. He says, it's less than 9 minutes. Forget it. You can't say every word. Ania Kotlin, I want to disagree. I want to disagree. On what basis? There was a Rambam. The Rambam says that you have to, if you want to dive a Sikid, you have to start the Birchus Krishna a certain amount of time before the sun rises. There are three different texts in the Rambam. One says Shah, hard to understand. One says Shlish Yisushah, hard to understand. And one says Easter show. That makes the most sense. A tenth of an hour is six minutes. Try it. Try it. Try it tonight already. From, oh, you're not a already. 
trying to mark the Shachris. Started slowly from Yosef Roar uh, until Gol Yisrael. Yeah, you have it at a slow pace, you can do it in six minutes. So I did a word count. How many words are there in Birchas Kriyishma? And how many words are there in Shemon Ezra? Nearly the exact same amount of words. So that's why I think that if the rapper says that Easter Shah can suffice for Birchas Kriyishma, it can suffice for Shemon Ezra too. But when you get down to two minutes, that's already something which I believe is impossible. So you have an opportunity in your yeshivas, I'm sure, they dive a little more slowly than you're used to in the shoes back home in America. Take advantage of the opportunity and get used to diving a little bit below the Shmon Esrei. For the rest of your life, dive a little below the Shmon You know, you come back to America, you get acclimated to a shul, and dive fast again. That's why I tell you, after you come back, try to dive in the yeshiva. Yeshiva is diving more slowly than, than shuls, as a rule, as a rule. So don't be down if you get distracted. Your mind will always wander. Was the Hasidic Rebbe, who would, when people came over to him after David to say, you know, hello, you know, it's Shalom, after David, and a typical weekday morning, he said to them, Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem. Rebbe, what's Shalom Aleichem? I'm here the whole time. Uh, you were here physically. Your mind was in the, the grocery store. Your wife asked you to go shopping. Your mind was in the stock market. You were thinking about what we call today the sports, and what they didn't have in the Rebbe's towns in Europe. People's minds wander. And you know when the Yetzirah gets to the most, the most, the most, not Ms. Mashir, Hanukkah, Sabayis, no, not even Ashrei, not even Krishna, Shmon Esrei. It's not Shmon Esrei, it's Mosad Kavana, that's when the sub creeps in. I speak from personal experience. You focus, focus, focus. Resurrect, all of a sudden, everything comes to your head from all kinds of extraneous things. That, whoa, very hard to concentrate. Very. We do the best we can. It says in Shulchan Aruch, if a person didn't concentrate for the first Brahmash Monastery called Amos, got to dive on all over again. It's a Gemara. It says Ramon, no. You know why not? If you do it again, you'll fail the second time also. This is Ramon. These are people giants of 16th century. So who are we? We're nobodies. Don't get down. Just try your best. Every day is a new challenge. And with Hashem's help, you'll succeed. Very good. Thank you, Rebbe. Um, I don't know if Rebbe uh, heard. Rev Moshe Weinberger recently gave a uh, an, an hour-long um, uh, assessment of uh, some of the problems that the yeshiva world has. And uh, one of the things, one of the points that he was trying to make is that not everybody is uh, cut out for learning 12 hours a day. And uh, sometimes you have boys that spend years and years and years in yeshiva, and they're not really being productive. And maybe they'd be better off if they would go, uh, you know, uh, learn how to earn a living or something of that nature. Um, He wasn't really talking about our boys in our uh, world. He was talking about, I think, uh, you know, in the more yeshiva circles where people stay in learning for a much longer time, but um, for our boys, uh, at what point should a boy say to himself, you know, it's just not working for me, that I, I could learn for an hour or two a day, 
But but to be in yeshiva where I'm expected to learn eight, ten, twelve, twelve hours a day, you know, you know, shanabet. If it's still not happening when you finish YU, like at what point does a boy say, you know, it's 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 time for me to uh, to to maybe set my expectations of learning uh, a little bit lower? So thankfully, thankfully, the phenomenon of a year or preferably two. I encourage everybody who's here in Shanaav, please stay for Shana Ben. I wasn't so privileged. In my day, Shana Ben was unheard of. Even Shanaav was almost unheard of. But uh, things have changed since uh, 1966, when I was offered to enter Caribbean. Stay for a second year. You won't regret it. But thankfully, here in our yeshiva, the person will typically spend three years, especially if he's been two years in Israel, his credits, three years. So the sum total is five years. Why is it the sum total? Because the sad fact is, and no one should take umbrage, the sad fact is that most of our Talmudian don't get serious about their learning. Most. I'm sure on this present company, bunch of present company, excluded a very serious bunch of the Zoom. But you know, I have them, I see them in Barashakol, the sum of boys already from Bar Mitzvah are so serious. But that's, you know, that's not the majority. I, I'm an honest appraiser of reality. I, I like to think that I am. And I hope I get, I get it right. The majority are not so serious. As a matter of fact, some high school members have told me that their job is to simply hang on to the Tamidim. Hang on, they shouldn't get into trouble. In order to be able to make sure that they're going to be okay. To prep them. So when they go there to stroll, they'll be capable of doing good things. Uh, one of the things that that they should be capable of doing is reading. A rabbi that teaches you to read is the most important rabbi of all. I was at a bris this morning. This morning. This is recent. This morning. And the baby boy was named after a rabbi who taught this, the Davi Aben in 7th and 8th grade how to read a Gemara and a Rashi and a Tosis. They did only six flat the whole year, those two years. He's indebted to that Rebbe because he gave him the tools to learn for the rest of his life. Sadly, some people don't learn at the 7th or 8th or 9th or 10th or 11th or 12th, sadly. But we hope that they will. But even if they learn those tools, they're not, they're not on fire yet. They're hoping they'll go to Israel and catch fire. Good. So you have two years in Eretz Yisrael, please say Shanaben. Three years in our yeshiva where you learn not as much. He's going to college too. It's still a serious learning Seder. That comes to a total of five years. Why is that such a, a, a magical number? Because Chazal tells us it has to do with me, I'm a lady. Chazal tells us it has the consequences of Levim. After five years, if a person doesn't see a semen bracha, it's time to, to, to look for other things. Doesn't mean you shouldn't learn at all. Chazal you always have to learn. It's a chiyah to learn. Not only is it a chiyah to learn, it's your whole essence is learning. You, by being in Israel for that, even for one year, you know. That you have to learn, and if you don't learn, Khalil al Khasi can be a steep decline. Rahman al Islam, as we've seen too many cases. But you have to learn. So you'll learn the rest of your life. You learn an hour a day, two hours a day. Fine. But it's not you're not cut out to learn for the rest of your life. So many, so many hours. That's okay. But give it the five years. Give it the five years. Give it the years that you spent in Israel, that you spent in college, and you never know. What can, ha- what can happen? You know, my very distinguished colleague, Abel Lee, will, will forgive me for telling his story only very briefly. He was a Talmud, a star Talmud in, 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 
Karabiyavne, he was in Barash HaKolo first, in Karabiyavne, in Wayu. But if I understand correctly, he thought, all right, I did my time. Now I'll go out and earn a living in another wonderful profession. Perfectly, I'm sure he would have done a great job in that profession. But it's so uh, a heroic figure, a heroic figure that came to the rabbi as his son, as a young, very young man. And from that little, little flame came a, thank God, a maragot, or I believe was who teaches millions of people, millions of hits, millions, that's an exaggeration, of a little flame. And the rabbi said to him, you know, yeah, you have to have a year till you get into the school, you'll sit and learn for you, you'll start teaching for you. Woo! Look what happened. So you have to give it to five years, at least. Maybe you're going to be another other language. You think you're going to law school. That's what you think. You never know. And, 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 and I want to say another thing. I like to do recent events. Yesterday, just yesterday, someone came to meet me in my office. A distinguished rabbi wants me to look at his book. I read his book. He told me he was a lawyer somewhere in England for many years. And after a while, he said, what am I doing here? What do you? A lawyer? Yeah, yeah, make a lot, of, a lot of money. Took his wife and they agreed. They went to Eretz Yisrael, went to learn three years, immersed himself totally as a man of the family in his 30s, for three years solid. Berkowitz, Schlitt, and Shalai. And then he became a rabbi in the seminaries. He writing books. And he used to, I'm told wonderful presentations. I never met the man before yesterday. But he told me a wonderful story. Give me 10 years after he started law school. And you can still come back and become a marvelous Torah. Never give up. You can always do wonderful things. But at the same time, I always say, I'm very proud of all my Tamil. Those who are rebellion, those who are doctors, those who are lawyers, those who are psychologists and accountants, etc. Each one can make a Kiddush Hashem. Every profession, a person is honest, is competent, is a Kiddush Hashem. And I'm proud of each and every Tamil. Thank you, Rebbe. Um, yeah, if I could just make a push that uh, Talmidim should realize that uh, the, the world needs more Mechanchim and more Rabbanim and more Marbitze Torah. And uh, if you think, don't, sometimes people fall into a trap of thinking too lowly of themselves and they think, oh, I would love to do it, but I could never do it. Uh, probably you can. Probably if you think, first of all, if you think that, that's a good thing, but, uh, but, but, but probably you can do it. And uh, Kali Yisrael needs a lot of qualified people in these, uh, in these positions uh, right now. Um, if I could just ask Rebbe, you know, one of the Talmidim uh, put in a question that uh, as they're considering all of the, they're looking back at their high school years, and there's a lot to do tshuva for, for some of the Talmudim. We all have a lot to do tshuva for, but sometimes there are specific things to do tshuva for. But at the same time, somewhere in the back of their head, they're thinking, you know, but it was a lot of fun. I, I really I really enjoyed some of those Averos, and, I, I, and, and, and it's hard to feel harata for something, you know, to feel a sense of regret for something that you, you enjoyed and you look back at nostalgically and when they get together with old friends, they talk about whatever violation Ben Adam Lechavero against the teacher or whatever violation Ben Adam Makam that maybe might have happened. How, how does one get to a point of having genuine charata in order to be able to do tshuva? Nostalgia is not a contraindicator of tshuva. Again, I'd like to speak recent, recently. Just today is Thursday. I spoke about today, I spoke about yesterday. I'll 
speak about Monday nights, all right? Which is already Tuesday. It's two days ago. I was at a Shabbat Brothers. It was Rav Shechter Shlita's grandson. Very, very memorable event. Was uh, now speak to somebody and having nostalgic recollections of my time in the eighth grade. In the eighth grade, and the Rebbe was a tremendous Talmud tremendous. As the person who spoke to me at that event said, the premier Talmud of Rabbi Bear. When I was, I, I didn't know where Rabbi Bear was. Before my mitzvah, what did we know? He was this, and we didn't treat him properly. We didn't treat him with the proper respect. So on the one hand, it's nostalgic. Sure, you think about those days. Yeah, yeah. But the other hand, you have to have regret. We didn't know how to give this person the proper honor. There's no contradiction between nostalgia and shuva. Now, there are certain violations that a person should not have a nostalgia for. What we did, we didn't treat the Rebbe properly. You know, that could have nostalgia at the same time as having honest truth. But these are, how should I say, the Averis are more, I'll use the word, psychological in nature. Averis which are physical in nature, it's a whole different story. If you have nostalgia about that, you're at risk to repeat it. You're not at risk to repeat it at age 20, the pranks you pull when you're age 13. It's not. You mature a little bit. But if there are other types of Averis, you have to get the, no nostalgia for those Averis. It's just pure charata. What did I do? I didn't know any better. I did what everyone else was doing. We say it every day. Uh, I've repeated so many times on the run. Chatas nureinu treinu matizka. The sins of our youth, we ask HaKadosh Baruch don't remember them. But we can't ask them to not remember them if we remember them with relish. We would remember them with, 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 with contrition, with regret. What did I do? I didn't know. I... I it's going to hurt me for the rest of my life, and as it does sometimes, then ask Hashem to forget about them. But if we relish them still, nostalgia, we, if we don't forget, so how is Hashem going to forget? We have to draw a distinction with different types of Averis than a person did in his high school years. Okay, thank you, Rabbi. Rabbi, we have time, I think, just for one last question. So I'm, got, I'm just going to ask Rabbi, one of the boys submitted what I think is a very uh, wise question, and that is that uh, what, what advice Rabbi would give in general uh, for, or specifically, for Shana Aleph boys, whether it be something that Rabbi wishes someone would have told him at that age or just something that Rabbi notices that uh, maybe boys need to hear, that maybe they aren't hearing enough. Um, you know, advice to uh, succeed and to thrive and to get the most out of their yeshiva uh, experience that they're uh, zocha to have in Eretz Yisrael this year? Wow. That's a much more general question. I'll try to respond. You know, in Kohelas you read, Smach Bocho Bialdusem. You have to be happy. You have to be happy. Even to us, Hashem B'Simcha. One piece of advice, what you're doing should be B'Simcha. Be with joy. And joy comes from Torah. Joy comes from the connection to Hashem. Hashem is the source of all joy. And it, it, it's hard to serve a Kodesh Baruch Hu if you're not happy. 
they started singing a song. What? to be a yid? Also came from your town, Rabbi Leibowitz. Gishmak to be a yid. They dance and they sing. But it's true. It's so gishmak to be a yid. It really is. It's not a lie. It's not just a mantra. It's true. And the more a person realizes that, the better off he is. Unfortunately, it's not so hard to find contrast. Look what goes on in the world. Yes, in the world, whether it be the non-Jewish world, the non-Orthodox Jewish world, or even certain fringes of the Orthodox Jewish world, but people are simply not happy. They're not happy. They're not happy with their own lives. They're not happy with, with certain societal uh, understandings, and they're trying to rebel against the, the norms of, 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 of an ethical society, and they're hiding behind all kinds of... of Mistakes. 
in Terrence Israel. And I, the small Moshele, get in? I don't want to leave. So count it as a blessing. So many blessings you have. Be able to be in Terrence Israel. Be able to learn Torah at age 18. You know, in Europe, almost no one learned Torah at age 18. They had to go out to work. It was almost unheard of. So you heard about the yeshivas. She was a small percentage of the Shomer Shabbos communities in those days. Very small. They were able to go learn for a whole year, try for a second year. That's my best advice. They asked her, Israel Salanta, I only have a half an hour to learn. What should I learn? He said, learn Musa. You know you have more than half an hour. So what's the most important thing of the Say a second. You learn after, you learn to have a second year. And that'll set you on even a better path in life. Greater simcha and greater accomplishments. Each and every one of you should also be, all become Tamina Chachamim, the Kachir Shem Shemayim, wherever you go, to all your Rameim, your parents, as the words of Asaph Yuval. We're proud of you. Ashrei Omer Shalim Del Torah. Ashrei Rabba Shalim Del Torah. Amen, be amen. Amen. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you so much for uh, all of the time and the uh, inspiring answers and enlightening answers. And I want to thank all of the Talmidim for coming and joining. Now you can go back to the late night night seder, Bez Hashem, that you're experiencing in yeshiva. Look forward to being able to see everybody in Eretz Yisrael very, very soon. I wish you have a wonderful Shabbos. Shukla. And a big mazel to Rabbi Woods on his upcoming uh, wedding of your son in the next few weeks. Very Thank exciting. Amen. It's always wonderful to hear Torah from my Rebbe. Not only from Marshall Kolo for a number of years, but also in Yeshiva University. I was in Ray Willingshire for two years. Baruch Hashem. It's a real treat, and thank you so much. Thank you, Rabbi.